Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. not for me. Um, I want to ask you guys to just do something with me that we don't do very often. And I just want to ask you, would you guys pray the Lord's Prayer with me? Let's just pray that out loud. They're going to throw it up on the screen. So if you don't know it, don't worry. It's on the screen. Um, But I just want to ask you guys to pray that with me. And then I'm going to pray over you before you sit down. All right. So let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the food we need today. Forgive us what we have done wrong as we too have forgiven those who have wronged us. And do not lead us into hard testing, but keep us safe from the evil one. For kingship, power, and glory are yours forever. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So thank you guys so much for coming today. I have to say it is 4th of July weekend, and I know what freedom that you take seriously. You take the the freedom to worship seriously because you're here this morning. And so uh, just kudos to you. Praise God that we live in a country where we can worship freely. And there is an attack on freedom and on worship right now, not just in the U.S., but all over the world, because the enemy hates whenever God gets the worship that he deserves. And so I want to challenge you every weekend whenever you are here to worship like the only person that you are thinking of, that you are looking at, that is there in the room with you is Jesus. Don't focus on who's around you. Don't focus on what you talked about before you got here. Don't focus on the accusation of the enemy that you look crazy or that you're too emotional or whatever. You just enter into worship. And let me tell you something. That's what I love about Freedom Church. Do you know that part of why we are called Freedom Church is because whenever my parents started this church, one of their number one desires was that people would have freedom of worship. That was one of their number one goals is that they would start a church where people could come in and they could worship freely, that they could give God the praise he deserves. Aren't you guys thankful you have pastors like that? that wants you to worship in freedom. I'm so thankful for them, and uh, they're, they're having a good time this weekend, just spending some time together, so y'all can be in prayer for them as Dad seeks the Lord's face for his will for the church. But I just want to pray really quickly before we jump in. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for these people. Thank you for your kids, God, that are in this house. God, thank you for gathering us today. Lord, I just praise you. I thank you that you give me the opportunity, Lord, to share your word. I just surrender right now all of my thoughts, my mind, Lord, my words to you. You you have it all, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you, would you just come into this place and just light up anything in us that offends you, God? We ask you to fill us up like never before, God. I pray that today would be a memorial marker for many people where they decided truly to follow you with everything that they have. God, I thank you for who you are. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are good. You're Jehovah Nisi. You have all the victory in your hand. And Lord, I just pray you would just continue to plant seeds of faith in this house and that we would rely on you alone for our strength. 
Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. Amen. All right, so I want to ask you a question. We just prayed the Lord's Prayer, and maybe you've prayed that a billion times. Maybe you've never heard it in your life, but that is the prayer that Jesus prayed whenever he was teaching his disciples how to pray. And there is a line at the very beginning of that prayer that has stuck with me, and I come back to it, and I read it over and over and over and over. It says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And this is it. It says, May your kingdom come, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We prayed that together. Did you mean that? Really ask yourself, did you mean that? Did you mean, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? You see, that's a, that's a declaration of war. It's a declaration of war against the world. For God's kingdom to come through you, you are entering into an unseen battle that rages and it never stops. And whenever you say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, do you want to know how his will gets done? Me and you. And every day, whenever you wake up, from the minute your feet hit the floor until you go to sleep at night, there is a battle raging over your life. And the enemy is trying to distract you, trying to keep you from being who you were called to be by God. Because if he can get you to act in your old nature instead of your new nature, God's kingdom will not come through you. God's kingdom comes through surrendered vessels. We have an American church who for the large part has been asleep for many years. We have a church that has fallen asleep on the fact that there are people all over the globe who are dying for the sake of the gospel, but we can't even get out of bed to get to church on Sunday? There are people who are giving up their necks for Jesus. And we in the American church have trouble even giving a tithe. Let's get real this morning. Can I ask you a question? Do you really want God's kingdom to come through you? Because God's kingdom takes sacrifice. And you know what you have to sacrifice? It says it right there, your will. We talk all the time about mountain movers. Mountain movers. God, I want to see mountains moved. You know the biggest mountain that you face every day and that I face every single day? Me. You. We're the mountain. We're the problem. Our will. We get in God's way all the time. I do it all the time. I can't tell you my walk is a walk of repentance. I don't repent once a week. I repent about every 10 minutes. Because we are the ones who get in the way whenever we are unsurrendered to the will of God. What would happen if the American church was really, really surrendered to the will of God? Do you realize we have more freedom to spread the gospel than almost any other nation in the world? We have more freedom to do the will of God without any persecution than any other nation in the world. If the American church would rise up and really take on the kingdom of God, we would advance like you've never seen. 
The problem is our will. And it's not a new problem. This problem has been going on for thousands of years. In fact, it started in the garden with Eve. In the garden, the enemy came in the form of a serpent and began to test Eve's will. He began to tell her that she was missing out, that there was something that she needed that God had not given her. He began to tempt her mind to think that she knew more than God or what her husband Adam had told her God said. She began to rely on her own mind, her own understanding, her own strength, her own ability, her own way, her own will. Pride is really the root of all sin. Pride is you relying on your perspective instead of God's perspective. And in that moment, Eve entered into pride. She decided, huh, I, knew, I know more than my husband, I know more than God. I'm just going to try this and see what happens. And the rest is history. We are here now with this sin. And that sin, the root of it is pride. And you know what leads to fear? Pride. It started with pride. See, the minute Eve started relying on her own circumstance and her own mindset and her own beliefs and the thoughts that were coming from somewhere else other than God, she became extremely fearful. Let me show you. It says that Adam answered God and said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Where'd that fear come from? You see, there wasn't any fear to face before they relied on their own strength. And once they relied on their own strength, they realized they weren't actually in control. Their eyes were opened that they're just humans. They're not God. They don't need the same knowledge as God because they can't handle it. And they were terrified. So many of us live our lives terrified because we walk in pride. We make ourselves the center of the God equation when God should be the center of the equation. You know, whenever your brain is going into fight or flight, it's because you feel threatened. You're the one that you're focused on. You feel threatened. So many times, whenever God speaks a word of what he wants you to do, we put ourselves in the middle of the equation and we let fear overtake our mind because we begin to rise up in pride and rely on our own understanding and say, but God, but God, you don't understand, that would cost me this. But God, you don't understand, that would require this of me. But God, you don't understand, that could lead to me giving up everything I own. But God, you don't understand, that could lead to me giving my life. But God, you don't understand, that could threaten my kids. But God, that could make my kids be in a bad school zone. But God, but God, but God. And it's all about us and our fears just really go back to this common denominator called pride where we put ourselves in the middle of the equation. But you see, the call of God is to always put him in the center of every situation. It's to put his will above our own. It's to put his kingdom first. In fact, the promise of God is that if you put his kingdom first, if you seek first the kingdom of God, then all of these things, talking about all of your needs, will be added unto you. But oftentimes, we live our lives based around the needs and the wants of us instead of furthering the kingdom of God. 
Today we're going to talk about someone who had a struggle with this, and I identify with him so much. That's why I love this story. I've preached on it before, but man, I just come back here over and over and over and over because it's such a lesson for all of us. And I just want to say, I have some grace and seriously feel sorry for the disciples sometimes because they were like the 12 God chose to teach us. And like they got to fail publicly and it was all written down for everyone to see. And we just get to go and be like, oh, okay, that's not good. But they had to actually (laughs) deal with it in person with Jesus and then get it written down for people to read for thousands of years. But the person I want to talk about today, his name is Peter. You guys have probably heard of Peter, yes? Yes? How many of you guys have heard of the Enneagram? Anybody? Okay, so a couple people. So on the Enneagram, it's just like this fun personality test, but there's all these different types of personalities. I'm convinced after reading the Bible that if Peter took that test, he would be a type 8, a challenger. He literally challenges everything. Everything. And he has this tendency to rely on his own understanding, his own strength. Anybody else have that tendency? Yeah, me. I do. Um, So Peter has this tendency where he thinks he can just do it on his own. And see, Peter had a big call on his life. Huge. And we're going to read about that in just a second. But whenever Jesus called him to do this, the first thing Peter struggled with is what I'm talking about. He put himself in the middle of the equation. And so let me show you. It says in Matthew 16... When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. The keys to the kingdom of heaven. Peter was called to be a kingdom man. He was called to build the kingdom of God. Did you know that whenever you give your life to Christ, you're called to do the same thing? You're called to build the kingdom of heaven. And you see, this moment for Peter was a life-altering moment. First of all, Jesus changed his name. I don't know about you, but if someone changed my name, that's a pretty big deal. I'd have to learn to start operating off of that name instead of the one I've always been called. But you see, in Jewish culture, names mean so much more than just what we call each other. Names have a deep meaning. Simon means Shama, S-H-A-M-A. That is his original name. He was called Simon. And it also can be connected with reeds. They're going to show you a picture of reeds. Shama means he hears that Peter could hear. It would be the equivalent of being a hearer, that you can hear things. And the reason a lot of people saw this, it could be a very good thing, because it's actually the word that was used whenever God would say, hear, O Israel, 
So God would use it whenever he was talking to his people, and he would say, hear, O Israel. And shama meant that whenever God said something, it wasn't just that you could hear it, it meant, it meant that you did it, like you obeyed. So shama wasn't just hearing, it was obeying. And in this moment, what did Jesus say? He said, you heard this because my Father in heaven has revealed it to you. So Simon heard something that was significant, but his name, Simon, could have also been used in Jewish culture to be a negative. Why? Because if you're a hearer and all you do is hear all the time what everyone is speaking to you around you, what happens is, is all, if all you're getting is external information from the media or from your family or from all this other stuff, you begin to be blown around like a reed. You go from one place to the other place and back over here and back over there. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I have felt a little bit blown around like a reed. Everything's from here to there, and it's just confusing, and life gets crazy. But this is the thing. Peter heard something this time that was worth his obedience, that was worth him listening to. And because he heard it, and he believed it, and he confessed it out of his mouth that Jesus was the Messiah, that's whenever Jesus changed his name, because that belief, that internal revelation, caused an external change. That internal revelation of who God was caused him to change on the outside. And the same should be true for us. Whenever we have an internal revelation of who Christ is, if we truly believe in him, if we truly are saved by him, there should be an external change happen in our lives. Did you know that whenever you give your life to Christ that your name changes and you're born again and you're born into heaven? You have a new name in heaven that one day you'll be handed on a white stone? Did you know that whenever you're born again that you are seated in heavenly places? You may be here physically on the earth, but in your spirit because Jesus descended and he came down to us and he was, died and rose again that we now can ascend spiritually into heaven when we pray? Did you know that God, whenever you decided that Jesus was the Messiah and you believed that internal revelation, that he gave you the power to overcome with your faith? The Bible says that your faith is your victory. Our faith is our victory. Our faith in what? Our faith in the rock. You can throw that picture up. Our faith is not placed in our own ability to overcome. Our faith is placed in Jesus, who is the rock upon which we stand, who never fails, who never has an ulterior motive, who is good and holy and righteous, and he has good plans for you to bring his kingdom on the earth. And whenever his name was changed to Peter, it was because Jesus was saying, Peter, you're no longer going to be blown around by every wind that comes to you. You're going to become a rock. You're going to be firm in your conviction. I'm going to give you the power to stand upon me, to stand in faith upon what I have done for you, not what you have done for yourself. Some of you need to hear this today. You've given up on yourself because you think that your mistakes and your past are too big for God to overcome. But the good news says no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter what mistakes exist in your life, Jesus says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I have been crucified and I have resurrected to save you. And there is nothing too big for Jesus. Nothing. 
If you are not letting God's kingdom come through you because the big rock in front of your face that you can't get past, the big obstacle is that you think that your story is too big for God to redeem, I'm telling you right now, you need to stand upon the rock because he died so that his kingdom could come through you. And it is not about you. Your faith is not in your ability to perform. Your faith is not in the fact that you'll never make a mistake again. Your faith is not in the fact that you're gonna be perfect. No, no, no. Your faith is found in Jesus who is perfect, who is able, who will never fail. And if you surrender your life to him and you let his kingdom come through you, you will stand firm and immovable. That picture they just threw up was from whenever we went to Israel a couple years ago. And uh, Peter, whenever Jesus said that he would be called rock, that wasn't something foreign. There are rocks everywhere in Israel. That was one of them. They're huge. So just imagine, he's saying, Peter, you're going to be called Peter, which means rock. He was saying, you see these big rocks? You're going to be firm. You're going to be strong. You're going to be immovable. But you see, Peter believed in that moment and his name changed. And this is what's amazing to me. The story didn't end there. Some of you might have gotten saved and you felt this big call of God on your life. Maybe it was recent or maybe it was a long time ago. And maybe since then, you've made some major mistakes and you've done some things wrong and you begin to question if the story is still true? Is my identity still right? Like, is, is what God has spoke? is that still possible? Is it still possible for me to live by faith when I have lived faithlessly? And the answer is yes. Yes, it is. You see, right after this happened, pride rose up, not only in Peter, but in all of the disciples. And Luke twenty two twenty four 24 says, a dispute also arose among the disciples as to which of them would be considered the greatest. You see, Jesus was literally beginning to tell them that he was going to be crucified for them. And all they could think about was, am I going to have a throne? Is it about me? Make it about me, Jesus, now. After all these horrible mistakes I've made, and I literally got saved just by believing in you, but now I'm going to start believing in me again because I want, I want something from this deal. You see, you can fall on either side. You can get in the way by being prideful in your successes, in your finances, in your own abilities and talents, thinking you're so good and so awesome. Or you can be prideful by thinking that your problems, your sins, your mistakes are too big for God. Both of those are pride. And both of them are stumbling blocks to the kingdom. What's a stumbling block? Let's go on. It says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things from merely a human point of view, not God's. 
You know, there's a few ways I want to talk about checking your pride today. Number one, I want to ask you, how often are you praying? You see, prayer is not just us talking to God, but it's us hearing from God. I want to ask you, what are you praying? Are all of your prayers from a human point of view? Are all of them about you and your family and your life and your, your ways and what you want and how you want to do things? Or are they about the kingdom? See, God really does care about you and he does want to fulfill the desires of your heart. But the Bible says that you have to delight yourself in the Lord and he will fulfill the desires of your heart. The powerful thing about this scripture, different, different translations say it different ways. But one of the things, whenever he says, get behind me, Satan, it means a trap. A trigger, if you go back to the root word, it means that literally it was a trigger for Jesus. He was like saying, you, we talk about triggers all the time. He was saying, Peter, back up. You're triggering me. Get back. Get back. You're thinking about this from your own perspective. And that's pride. Peter began to try to figure out how he was going to accomplish what God had said about him. He was like, this is the plan, this is my plan, and it doesn't involve you dying or being crucified for me or, or rising again. Just forget that, Jesus, I've got this. I'm gonna become the rock upon which you build the church and I need no help. Don't tell me how you're gonna do it. You're definitely a type eight challenger if you look at the Messiah, the son of the living God, and say no, no. Peter knew who Jesus was and he still argued with God. How many times do we spend time in prayer and all we do is just argue with Jesus? No, 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 Jesus, that's not what I want to do today. That's not the plan. No, 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 not, not, not for my family, not for my kids. How many times do we go into the presence of God and hear his voice here in this house and we argue back? No, 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 not me, not today. Jesus in his grace he didn't say, okay, Peter, never mind, it's not you. Can't use you, you're too stubborn. The plan stayed exactly the same. And this is what he says in Luke 22, 31 through 34. It says, Simon, Simon, think about this. His name means here, Shama, here. He's telling him to listen. And he's also referring to Peter's old nature after he's already renamed him. You see, some of you need to hear this. You can act in your old nature long after you became a new person. It's a choice every day. Are you going to act like the new creation that God has created you to be? Or are you going to fall back into your old way of life? He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, said Peter, I am ready to go with you, even to prison and to death. But Jesus replied, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. And then it wasn't just Peter, Matthew 26, 31, Jesus says, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Can you imagine? He just said, hey, you're the rock upon, literally, I'm going to use you to build my church. I'm going to use you to build my church. And then he looks at him and says, and also you're about to deny me. Cause, why? Because of his pride. You see, whenever we're living a life of denial and doubt, it comes from living life our way instead of God's way. 
It's really that simple. Whenever it comes to faith versus fear, it comes down to, do you put your faith in Jesus and his word and what he says to you and in your relationship and the internal revelation that he gives you? Or do you put your faith in external circumstances, external fears, external occasions? Do you put your faith in the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, which you received at salvation? Or do you put your faith in what is externally happening around you? Moving forward in the story, Jesus took them to a place called Gethsemane. Dad talked about this at worship night if you were there. Gethsemane, it meant to press oil. They would stack baskets and they would form so much pressure that the oil would begin to fall out and drop. The garden literally meant that they were walking into a place of great pressure. And you see, they had just taken communion for the first time, and Jesus had told them, I'm going to go, I'm going to die for you, I'm going to resurrect. They knew all of this. He begins to prepare them. He literally institutes communion, which we take, which is literally the cup of suffering. And they take that communion together. And then Jesus goes to Gethsemane to be prepared for his crucifixion. And he had told them and told them and told them that this is what was coming. And a lot of them were still wrapped up in their own minds. In fact, some of them, one of them, was so wrapped up in his own plan for his own kingdom that he betrayed the Son of God for money. The struggle with pride for the disciples, every single one of them, was real. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. And he began to be grieved and distressed. This is talking about our, our Savior, our Messiah. You see, he went through what we went through. He began to be grieved and distressed because he knew the call of God upon his life was going to cost him something. In fact, it was going to cost him everything. He knew what he was created to do. And in his humanity, because he was completely God and completely human, he began to be grieved and distressed. He was walking into that garden knowing not only was he giving up his life, but that all of his brothers, who he had walked with for years, were still caught up in their own pride. He was walking into the garden to die for the very sins they were committing before he even got into the garden. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed saying, my father... My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but what you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. These are his best friends. They were just sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
He wasn't even asking that they pray for him. No, no, no. He was saying, if you'll humble yourself, you'll get down with me and pray that you wouldn't enter into temptation. The same prayer he had told them to pray before. Would you just, would you pray with me? Would you get down and pray with me? Would you humble yourself? Would you enter into my suffering? How many times in this life do we just plunge forward in our prosperity, in our blessings, in our perfect little good lives? And some of you don't live perfect little good lives, I know that. You live hard lives. But even in that, in your suffering, when you suffer apart from Jesus, that's pride too. Jesus wanted to enter into suffering with them. That's our inheritance. Our inheritance is that we will never be alone. The reason Jesus died was so that we could enter into his presence. That when our hearts are broken, when we are grieved, and even when things are wonderful and beautiful and seemingly perfect, our inheritance is that no matter what the external circumstance is, that we would rely on that internal revelation, that rock upon which we stand, that we would enter into his presence in prayer and humble ourselves every day and say, Lord, not what I will, but what you will. Moving forward in the scripture, it says, He went again to pray a second time, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Church, are you sleeping? When's the last time you prayed? a good measure are you awake to what's going on in our world are you entering into the presence are you getting down and humbling yourself and allowing God to not only for you to pray to him father not what I will but what you will but then also waiting and letting him tell you what his will is for your life instead of just plunging forward in your own will all of the time in pride. Peter, after this happened, he grabbed a sword and he went and he cut off the ear of one of the guards that was trying to take Jesus because once again, he was focused on his own will, his own ability to save, his own ability to accomplish it. And Jesus said, no, no, no. And he healed the guy's ear because Jesus was so surrendered to the will of God. He didn't want them to save him from what God called him to do. The same thing happened with Peter. Many years later, a woman prophesied and said, no, 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 no. They were afraid for the apostles to die. 
But you see, this is the thing. You can live a victim's life where you're getting pushed around or you can get down on your face and let your faith be your victory and you can submit to the will of God for your life. You see, your power and your victory is not gonna come from living in response to the enemy's activity in the world. Your power and your victory is gonna come from getting down on your face and saying, Father, not what I will, but what you will. I give you my pride, I give you my plans, I give you my money, I give you my kids, I give you my marriage, I give you everything that I am. You can have it all, take it all. You are everything to me. I give it all back to you. And some of us this morning, that's all I want you to do is I just want to take a few minutes and ask you, would you just get down with me and surrender all over again? They're going to come out and pray. There's one final thought that I want to leave you guys with as we're praying. A couple thoughts. Jesus, whenever he went to be crucified for you, he was crucified at Golgotha. That meant place of the skull. Literally, he was crucified on the place of the skull. And so many of us let our skull, our mind, our brain prevent us from going into the will of God. We allow the enemy's attacks on our mind. We don't take those thoughts captive and we begin to give the enemy authority in our minds. But Jesus died for you to have faith and victory over the thoughts that come into your mind. And you might be in anxiety, you might be in depression, you might, your heart might be broken and the enemy might be attacking your mind saying, you're worthless, you'll never be good enough, you can't bring God's kingdom. You don't, there's no plan for you. But I'm asking you this morning, let the Spirit of the Lord raise up a standard against the enemy and let the Lord take captive those thoughts in your mind because Jesus was crucified and he was resurrected so that you could enter into the kingdom and bring the kingdom to the earth. And that's exactly what Peter did. Jesus showed Peter that his perfect love on the cross could cast out all of his fear. And Peter did deny Jesus three times, but then Jesus restored him and said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And that's the same question I believe God is asking us every day. Do you love me? Because it says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. You'll do what I've called you to do. You'll lay down your life for the kingdom. If you want to know my love language, it's to love the people I created. It's to preach the gospel I died for. It's to go to the ends of the earth with the great commission. That is how you love Jesus. And if we're not living that way, church, we're asleep. And we have to wake up allow the kingdom to come you guys can stand with me and I'm gonna pray and they're gonna sing a beautiful song and I just want to ask you will you let the kingdom come through you today will you let that mustard seed of faith that lives inside of you move the mountain of your mind and your logic and your thoughts and let the Spirit of God fill you because it's all about him Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in this place, God. Thank you for giving up your life for us to enter into your presence, God. Thank you that it is finished. That if we come to you in repentance, God, that no sin can separate us. Thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on us whenever we live selfish lives. 
Thank you for not changing the plan just because we are selfish and prideful. God, thank you for walking with us. And God, we just fall before you today and we ask you, would you just move these mountains of anxiety, move these mountains of depression, move the mountains of pride and selfishness. God, move them out of the way with your perfect love because Jesus, our answer to if we love you, God, our answer is yes. We hear you. We hear you and we love you and we want you and we choose you today. In Jesus' name, amen. This weight is heavy.
Also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. If you guys would, I just want you to bow your heads. And today, if you are in a place where you want to recognize in repentance that, hey, you know what? I have lived faithlessly. I have lived faithlessly. I've had faithless faithless moments. I have been sifted just like Peter and the disciples were. I have been shaken up and blown around like a reed, but I'm ready to stand on my mustard seed, the rock which does not move, my faith, not in my own ability, but in Christ's ability. If you're a Christian or you've been believing him for a long time or you have never believed in Jesus, you can pray this with me. But if that's you this morning, will you just lift your hands up and say, Lord, I'm giving myself to you in a more full way, God. I want to live by faith and not by fear. If that's you, would you just lift your hands and say, I want to receive this prayer right now for God to move in my life, for me to bring his kingdom in a new way. Lord, I come this morning and I just ask you, Holy Spirit, would you fill these people with your Holy Spirit? Would you bring them a new revelation of who you are, God? Would you help them to press in to the new thing that you are doing on the earth, God? I pray, Lord, that they would just believe that you died so that they could be forgiven and that they would come to you in true repentance, that they would fall before you, that they would seek your face, God, first, that they would put your kingdom first, that they would believe in you above all else. God, I pray a blessing over their lives, Lord, that as they seek your kingdom, that everything else will be added unto them. Lord, I thank you for who you are and what you are doing through your people. I thank you for your church, God, who is fighting the good fight upon the earth. And I ask for a fresh anointing, fresh energy, God, a new wave to come upon your people to accomplish the will of your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hope you guys have a great day. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.